If you will, turn with me again to the book of Revelation, chapter 19. We're coming near to the end of that great book, the last book of the canon of the Bible, and it, it reveals some wonderful and glorious truths about Jesus Christ and His coming into the world. And uh, just uh, we're going to begin at verse 11. Uh, the beginning of chapter 19 kind of ends what was started back in chapter 17, which is the, uh, the, the telling of the, uh, the destruction of this great and terrible kingdom called Babylon. Uh, the kingdom of, of, of all humanity's darkness and, and of, of, of the devil and of this uh, beast and false prophet that arise um, uh, among the nations to um, take over and, 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 and oppress the people and the saints of God and to uh, inflict um, damage and, and, and to kill um, even those who, who, are, who are wicked. Uh, the, uh, the, the beast hates those who follow him and he turns against them in this. Uh, and and, and so, so the wicked are suffering here as well. Not, not necessarily because of God's wrath, but because of their own um, uh, selfish desires in following this, this kingdom, this, this wicked kingdom who ultimately betrays them. And, and 18 is a song of, of uh, it, uh, Babylon's destruction. The beginning of 19 is a song of uh, rejoicing in heaven at the end of all this um, wicked suffering. And it shows the image of the marriage supper of the Lamb where, where God welcomes all of His saints who have, who have faithfully served Him all through this tribulation and trial to, to join Him in this great marriage supper of the Lamb. Well, when we come to Revelation 11, what we're, what's happening here is, or Revelation 19 verse 11, what's happening here is we've had the announcement from heaven, now we're going to see what happens on earth. And this is how, how uh, John describes the Apostle John this is how he describes what happens there in, in, in on earth it says then I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse the one sitting on it is called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war his eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems and he has a name written that no one knows but himself he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword which, with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with the rod of iron. <clears throat> he will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe... And on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let's pray again. Lord, we just ask, God, that you would add a blessing to the reading and to the hearing of your word. Father, let it go forth and not return void. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. As we've seen in the last few weeks, especially since the end of February, we've seen how humanity inflict such terrible suffering on other humans. War and oppression are two of the greatest human evils on earth. The, 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 the destruction of, of human lives um, indiscriminately, oppressing people to the point where they, they cannot um, uh, 
eat or, 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 or live or, or, or do anything on their own without some government um, imposing its, its, its will on them. And, and uh, just saying that you can't buy or sell without, without the government's permission. Um, that's happening in several places all over the world. And, and we, we see this Russian invasion of Ukraine and how humanity is being made uh, to suffer because of it. Human beings, human lives are suffering in Ukraine because of what's happening here. And we have to wonder um, sometimes, uh, what is God going to do about this? Because I think the only thing that, that can really save Ukraine is, is, is uh, God's divine intervention. The only way that, that th these wars can end um, is, is God's divine intervention. And I think he has been working in some ways. Uh, I, I don't think the Russian army expected to meet the resistance that they did and, and how their, uh, th their equipment is, has been breaking down and, and getting stuck in the mud and those kinds of things. It, it, it's, it's been a slow crawl for them to try to uh, take over Ukraine. Um, but sometimes when we see all this suffering in the world, we wonder, what's God going to do about this? Well, why, why isn't God active? And I can tell you that there's a lot of atheists today who look at it that way. You know, if there's such evil in the world, how can there be a good God? And how is all this, you know, how, how is God going to stop all this? Well, the truth of the matter is, is that one day God will put an end to all this. One day God will set up His glorious reign on earth, a reign of righteousness, in which evil and suffering and oppression can no longer exist because of His presence and His bright holiness and His righteousness. Because that righteousness is going to reign over the earth. A benevolent reign of Jesus Christ coming into the world. God coming into the world with His Prince, His King, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And this is what Revelation 19 tells us. And it gives us great hope for the world. The white horse rider comes in breaking into human history. The one called faithful and true. He breaks into the world again and makes war against the kingdom of darkness. He comes in as the divine warrior and the conquering hero. Christ is, is, is the one person, he's called faithful and true here because he is the one person who, who was completely faithful to God the, God the Father. From, from the very beginning, from the time he entered the, into this world, and, and really in, in time past. But, 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 but when Jesus was on earth as, as the Messiah, as the incarnation of God, He was the one who was fa the faithful and true witness. God, God had a people called Israel that He interacted with all through the Old Testament. But they constantly disobeyed God and turned away from Him. But Jesus is the one, as He is described here, as faithful and true, the rider on this white horse breaking into the world. And he has kept, the reason he, we call him true is that he has kept his promises in his word. We know that, that throughout history, all the Old Testament promises God has made, he has kept every one of them, except for the return of his son Jesus Christ to set up his kingdom on earth. That still awaits us. But based on all the fulfillment of all the promises that He has ever given us in His Scriptures, we know that we have the promise of this 
great conquering Jesus Christ coming back in to, us, to wipe out the kingdom of darkness and set up God's glorious kingdom here on earth. It's the one promise um, that we have not seen fulfilled yet, but we know that, that we will see it because God is faithful and true and this Christ is true, and is true to His word. He told His disciples <clears throat> that when He left this world, He would come back for them. That, that He would return one day. That, that was the promise. In the Old Testament, they made lots of predictions about Jesus Christ. When, when, when the Jews of, of, of Jesus' day, they read the book of Isaiah, they saw Jesus coming as this great divine warrior to, to establish God's kingdom on earth over and over again. The problem with the Jewish people, though, is that they failed to read um, Isaiah 53, which talks about Jesus as the suffering servant. In fact, the Jews thought that, that our nation, our people, are the suffering servant. But Isaiah 53 talks about Jesus as the suffering servant. In other words, Jesus had to suffer and die for the sins of the people first before he could come again as the conquering hero. And that, that's, that, that, that's what they didn't understand at the time. But when Jesus shows up, he reveals that to his disciples and to all who would listen to him. First, he had to come and do away with sin in people's hearts and establish his kingdom that way before he could come again at the end of history and, and put an end to the kingdom of evil and set up that final kingdom of righteousness. That's what, that, that's what many of the Jews missed. But here, John, it's being revealed to him that this is going to happen. Jesus is going to break into history, fulfilling the promises of the Old Testament and setting up God's righteous reign on earth. And he comes in riding on the white horse with the armies of heaven behind him, it says. Also, they are in robes of fine linen, bright and pure. Now, who is the armies of heaven? I believe this is talking about the angels um, that, that come in with Jesus Christ to, to um, make war against this kingdom of evil, to, to wipe out, to do the final stroke against uh, Babylon the Great and, and against all... Uh, human wickedness and oppression and, and rebellion towards God and His goodness. But this heavenly army comes in. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, any of the Lord of the Rings, and I, and I love that movie. And um, I, I'd like to show that clip, but sometimes when I'm recording a sermon, it's not good to have clips, you know, when I um, put that out on, uh, like on YouTube. I, I put our sermons on YouTube quite a bit. Because sometimes you get content strikes, it, it's copyright strikes. Um, but just visualize in your head, maybe you remember this scene from the second movie in that series, The Two Towers. And the, the armies of, um, of, of King um, uh, Theoden and, and, and of Rohan are trapped inside this, this fortress, and there's 10,000 uh, orcs, uh, the, the evil army of Sauron, uh, gathering at the gate, and... They, they've broken through the walls and, and they're pounding on the door trying to get in to uh, go in and kill the, the king and whoever's with him. And, you know, they had the promise of the, the, the white wizard Gandalf, who is this, this figure that goes around encouraging them, that he, on the fifth day, he would appear 
and, and, and would ride in the armies of, uh, of uh, the rest of the armies of Rohan and, and, and help them fight against these evil orcs. Well, anyway, the king breaks through the gates. He decides he's going to go out and meet these orcs. And then all of a sudden, you hear it up, up on, the, on, on the mountain, this thunderous sound of, of, of a white horse whinnying. And then, then you see on, on the white horse, you've got this white wizard, Gandalf. And he, his horse jumps up in the air. And then all of a sudden, uh, the other um, leader of his army comes up and says, the Theoden king stands alone. And, and the white wizard, Gandalf, says, he is not alone. <laughs> and they come charging down the side of this mountain. And you see, the, and the white horse is out in front. And he sticks out his, his staff and, and light shines out through the whole valley and this huge army of horses thundering down into the valley goes and just obliterates uh, these orcs uh, that are there. I have not seen a, a, any Christian movie that portrays that better than, than what they do in Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. If you ever want to watch that movie, you go watch it and see that scene. And the first thing I think of, I thought about is this scene in the book of Revelation. And Tolkien um, was steeped in Christianity. That was his life. He was a devout Catholic. And you know, he came through, through a lot. And Re Revelation affected his thinking um, greatly in his novels. If you ever want to go see that scene, to me, that, that, that's the perfect scene um, on film of this event. <laughs> and I, I think it's, it, it's intentional. Um, I think Tolkien meant to put Revelation in people's minds. This very scene of Christ breaking into history on his white horse with the armies of heaven behind him to wipe out the forces of evil and of wickedness and of oppression and of hate and of violence. And yes, it is a violent scene um, given here. It says that Christ's robes are dipped in blood. I'm not sure if that means the blood of his own sacrifice or the blood of his enemies. But I have to think that um, if, if, if his robe's been, if the bottom of his robe is, is bloody, it's because he's been in battle against uh, all, those, uh, all those wicked forces who have oppressed humanity for so long and have caused such great destruction. So Christ sweeps into history to, to put an end to all of this violence. And it's unfortunate that he does, has to do it in a violent way, but this is the only way that, that the, all of this ends is with, with God's destruction of those who have so opposed Him for so long and have, who have threatened humanity over and over again. And I have to look at it from this perspective too. Because earlier on it said that um, the beast, the, the, the emperor of this great and terrible kingdom, Babylon, calls forth his armies from out the whole earth. The false prophet sends out spirits to call forth the armies of the earth. And, and, and I think what it implies is that, that now that this kingdom of Babylon has split in two and, and they're actually fighting each other. And this is about the self-destruction of evil. And what Christ does when He comes into, in, into the world is that He is put it, stopping them before they destroy everything that's good and wonderful. And that's kind of how, how I, I've, I've, I've my, that's my take on the book of Revelation. Evil is destroying itself, 
and to keep evil from destroying everything that is good in this world, Christ comes in and puts an end to it. Now, why is it important for us to think about this? Well, I think about the churches in John's day. There, there, there were seven churches in Asia, and that's what the whole book of Revelation was written to, these seven churches in Asia. And what was happening to these seven churches in Asia during John's time is that they were under the oppression, first of all, of the Roman government. The Roman government um, hated Christianity. The, a lot of them called Christians godless because they, they refused to um, bow to any other gods except for the one God, uh, you know, God the Father and Jesus Christ. They refused to bow to other gods. They, they, they didn't understand Christianity, and, and so they, they, they persecuted them. And at this point, too, um, the Romans had already come in and destroyed Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. And, and the Jewish believers, as well, as well as the Christian believers, were spread throughout out Europe. They, they, they lost their homeland. So they were, they were under the, the impression of, oppression of this, of this terrible, pagan, evil Roman government. But not only that, um, the, the, there were various groups of Jews who had their synagogues in the same town that a lot of these churches existed. And, and, and what, what, they did, what happened was that the Jews would turn, often turn the people um, in, in these communities against the church and against the Christians. So persecution came up against the Christians from, from some of these so-called synagogues uh, Jesus says they're not really synagogues, they're synagogues of Satan. Um, not all Jewish people hated the Christians. In fact, most of the early converts were Jews, by the way. Um, but, but there were certain groups of, of Jews who, who came up against these, these churches too. That They were under constant threat from, from these different forces, forces who hated them, uh, forces that, that were controlled um, by, by the devil, and, and, and the wickedness that he wanted to put into them. And so these churches, under this oppression, they needed encouragement. We talked about this being one of the main reasons that Revelation was written. To show these churches that were under persecution and under such oppression that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That he sit that, that at this time d during this time that they're under this oppression, he sits in, 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 enthroned in heaven as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is there at the throne interceding for for his his people, th those who have come to him in faith and have asked for his forgiveness and have sought to repent and turn away from the evil that's in this world and turn back towards God as as you know through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the doorway. To, to return to God, these people have, have uh, turned away from the world and turned towards Christ. They needed this encouragement because of what was happening to them. Because many were turning away from the faith because of the persecution and oppression and violence that was being done upon them and their families. They needed to hear that Jesus Christ was King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so at the right time, when all this persecution and all this destruction and all this uncertainty was happening, God spoke to John while he is exiled himself 
on the island of Patmos because he was preaching the gospel. They come to, he, God comes to John and gives him this revelation so, uh, of Jesus Christ glorified so that he can write that letter and send it to these seven churches to encourage them. These people un under this darkness and oppression in their own day needed to, to, to see this. They needed to understand that, yes, Jesus is going to keep his promise. Yes, he's going to come back. Yes, things are going to get bad and, 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 and they're going to get worse before the Lord comes back. But when he does, he's going to come back in a glorious way and every eye is going to see him on that day and no one will be able to hold him back no forces of evil will, will, will keep him back from coming back and establishing his glorious kingdom. A kingdom of, of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness of self-control. Of, uh, of love and, and, uh, and, and of the disappearance of all such evil. He is going to come one day and establish his kingdom on earth. And, th and those under oppression and darkness in John's day needed to hear that they needed to hear that message of hope and it's not a message of false hope it was God's message to his people to hold on in faith until I come again until Jesus comes again and the one who holds on to faith the one who holds on to this this belief that Jesus is going to come in riding on a white horse one day to bring an end to all this suffering and strife the ones who hold on in faith are the ones who are going to be I'm part of his glorious and wonderful kingdom. He encourages them to hold on in faith no matter what. And so today, we have not seen Christ return yet. We're, we're believers in 2022, faithfully worshiping God in, in, in the house of God, in his house, and you know, this building is not necessarily God's house. It, it, your heart is God's house because of what Christ has done in your life. Because you sought Him out and sought His forgiveness and grace. Because you have sought to serve Him. He has poured His Holy Spirit in, in, into your heart. And the Apostle Paul said, tells us that, that we are His temple. It's, God is not. God Himself even said it in the Old Testament. He tells Solomon, "I cannot be contained in houses of gold." He says, "But if you're faithful to me, I'll come and visit you <laughs> in this house." Jesus said, told, "Told the woman at the well, there's going to come a day where the true worshippers of God will not worship on this mountain, the Mount of Olives, or on this other mountain called Mount Gerizim in Samaria." But, they, but the true worshipers of God will worship Him in spirit and in truth. In other words, in the time when there was no temple, from the heart you would worship the Lord. And God would commune with you personally. That's what we have in Jesus Christ. Because of our faith in Him, we can have this close relationship with Him, something that they didn't have before uh, Christ and before Pentecost. That there were certain people that were filled with God's Spirit. That there were certain people that heard from God. But God's Spirit has been poured out on all flesh because of what Christ did on the cross. And all we have to do is accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. And we can have His presence in our life. But we today, gathered here 
in, in, in this house as, as the people and, and the family of God, we, we need this hope for ourselves today because the world without us, um, outside of us, is, is lost and in darkness. And so many are without hope. Since COVID and the lockdowns, um, calls to these suicide prevention hotlines have gone up 800%. In these, in these last two or three years of this pandemic. I don't know the statistics of, of teen suicide um, exactly, but I do know that uh, the girls tend to commit more suicide more so than, than the boys do um, in, in these last few years. People without hope, people without um, purpose, pe people who are caught up in violence and suffering, the people of, of, of Ukraine um, hiding out in, in buildings and they cannot escape because the Russian army will kill them if they try to escape. And this kind of oppression has been, this isn't anything new, it's been going on in the world for years, for centuries. Jesus told his disciples in, in Matthew 25, and I think a lot of people... Um, misunderstand Matthew, uh, excuse me, not 25, but 24. I think a lot of people misunderstand Matthew 24. Jesus says, there will be wars and rumors of wars <clears throat> and earthquakes in various places. What he's saying is, to his disciples, is not to look for these signs because these kinds of things are going to keep on going no matter what. He says, the sign of my coming the sign of my coming will be like lightning streaking across the sky. Something that everybody sees, something that, everybody, that happens suddenly, and there's not going to be anything that you can do about it. When lightning strikes, there's nothing you can do about it, except, except, except pray that you're well grounded. <laughs> and he says it'll happen suddenly. It'll happen at a time when no one knows. Only the Father knows. I don't know, Jesus said. Only the Father knows when, when my return will happen. And it'll happen, you know, before we, we, we can even uh, know that it's happening. Yes, I think there's going to be some signs like, like the appearance of, of the Antichrist, um, or we call him the beast, and, and the Bible calls him the beast. And, and yes, I know there's going to be a worldwide kingdom where he oppresses people, where we're going to see some of those signs occur. But, but the actual coming of Jesus Christ is going to happen suddenly, it's going to happen um, uh, visually, everyone's going to be able to see him, and nobody's going to be able to do anything about it except to fall at his feet and, and worship him. It's going to happen at a day and hour that we do not, do not expect. But we can take courage that if, as we've been saying, you're, I'm on the winning team because I believe in Jesus Christ, because I have faith in him. I'm on, I'm on, if I'm on the winning team, I know that all this is going to work towards my good and that the end and, and the final destruction of evil on this earth means that Jesus' kingdom is coming. A glorious and wonderful kingdom. And I can be a part of that if I keep my faith and trust in Him. What do we need to do as believers? For one, believers need to continue to have courage and hope without fear. As society continues to push Christians to the side, as, as the underpinnings of our culture are knocked out from under us, all those things that, that supported the church and Christianity 
um, are, are slowly being eroded away. When it seems like you know, no one has any more faith, no, no one wants to attend church anymore, no, no one wants to be involved in a church anymore, as we see those things, we have to remember that Jesus said that things are going to get worse before they get better. And so we hold on to hope and encourage, hope and courage without fear in Him. We don't have to fear the devil when he comes. Jesus said, don't fear those who can destroy the body, but rather fear the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. He was referring to God the Father. We don't need to have fear, but have courage to stand up for our beliefs in Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about political beliefs. I'm talking about Republican beliefs. The, 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 those things are a part of this world. And, and I can tell you that, that our government and these two parties that, that we ha have, it's, it, it, it's probably the best system we have on earth. I, I'm, not, I'm not denying that. But that is not your salvation. Your salvation lies in Jesus Christ in these times of crises. And we need to hold on to Him with courage and hope without fear. And how do we show that courage and hope without fear? Because we, we, we can say that, but we've got to have the actions to prove it. I think there's two things that, that, that show us that, that we're anticipating Jesus' return. One of those is our worship, and the other is our witness. When we come to, to, to the house of God to, to worship God, we come with seriousness and reverence. Yes, we, we greet each other. Yes, we, we have love for each other. Yes, we're glad to see our friends and family again here at the church. And, and, and yes, we want that fellowship because fellowship is part of what it means to be a Christian. But we come here with the purpose of worship. And we're coming to praise God. We're coming to give our hearts and lives to Him. We come re renewing our promises that we made to God long ago that we would repent of our sins and come to Him and seek His face. We come with gratefulness and thankfulness for what He's done. And we worship Him for who He is and what He's done. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is none above Him, none beside Him. He is it. King of kings and Lord of lords who deserves all glory and praise and honor. And the secondly is our witness that we continue to speak for Jesus Christ and, and we continue to tell people, Christ has transformed my life. He has put love in my heart for other people. He has helped me through tough times that I didn't think I could make it through because I trusted in Him to the very end and He brought me through these situations. And you can trust Him too if you but repent of your sins and, and agree to, to uh, give your heart to Him so to speak, to, to, to give your life, everything that, that's within you, your whole being, over to Jesus Christ. And when He does, He will fill you with His presence and His Spirit and give you strength. We need to be witnesses in, in our world for Jesus Christ, wherever we can, wherever we are. That's how we show our courage and hope without fear, that Christ is going to return to set all things right to set all evils right and to bring in His glorious kingdom into this world.
But we've we got to realize, too, that it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. Things are going to get worse before they get better. But because of the promises of God, because He is faithful and true, we can hold on to Him in faith until the very end. Let's stand.